The following is a Kingfisher Media production. All of us have more in common than we have in conflict. Us versus them and me versus you won't take us as far as looking at each other and thinking, this is what I like about you. Today's guest, actually, we just spent the last couple of minutes chatting with her. She's given us some wonderful feedback on what it is we're doing with this show. And I'm really, really already looking forward to getting to know her a little bit. She is a perfect representation of the kind of diversity that we hope to expose ourselves to every time we sit down and chat with a stranger. I don't know anything about her other than her name, and she has got a lovely smile. And I guess that's all the starting off point we need. Um, my name is AC Fisher. With me is my co-host Alexis Erlin, and we are pleased to be meeting for the first time Pallavi Pandey. Pallavi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Fisher. And you guys are hired. Uh, you guys did the best uh, introduction for me forever, telling from my beautiful <laughs> smile to my name. So I am impressed. Thank you very much. You just made me sound famous. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that feedback. <laughs> and I am I'm it's just not so as easy honored. To pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> I am just so honored to be here on the show because I was just telling you guys two minutes before how I have listened to your other episodes and how you guys are celebrating differences. And I love it having opinions, but yet be respectful to other person and celebrating it together. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I feel that there's more to there's more to us than our differences. And I feel like those differences, they get way too big sometimes. And uh, we lose connection with our fellow man. And uh, that can be traumatic and difficult. And I mean, obviously, look at all the problems in the world right now. <laughs> but it's great to have you on the show. And can you just tell us a little bit about what your passions are and what you do? Oh my God, passion stuff like a whole book. You want me to summarize here? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Which is a summary. So, I am Pallavi Pandey. I am a woman of color. I am a mompreneur based in Portland, Oregon, the beautiful city. And I could not have asked for a better place to be in because, ta da, we are in the most eco friendly place that we could be because I am the owner and founder of the zero waste eco friendly company called Detox. And this is different from the word detox. This spelling is D-T-O-C-S. So same alignment, same meaning. When you can detoxify the inside of your body, I inspire everybody to start that from the outside. Why not do it from the plates and bowls that you put your food on? Because I make these compostable tableware from palm leaves, naturally fallen leaves from the farm to the table very elegantly. And I'm a mom of two detox brand ambassadors. We all are passionate about what we're doing here just not to be kinder to our health, but also to be kinder to the environment around us. This is all fascinating stuff. Philosophically, yeah. I feel like I'm there with you. But where I think you and I part ways right out of the gate is I grew up in kind of a different time with pig-headed, backward-thinking people. And the whole idea of something as simple as recycling, I find very frustrating and overwhelming. Is my, my, my kids always tell me, look, it's really, really easy. This goes in this bin. This goes in that bin. And my ignorant, uneducated, 
unjustified and pig-headed response is always, why should I have to play with my garbage? Why isn't that somebody else's job? <laughs> how, how do you address somebody who's as knowingly stubborn as me? <laughs> or or I'll, I'll, just I'll just say somebody who's starting because at least you're thinking about it. Some people don't even do that. So you one step ahead. Good job, Fisher. But <laughs> to address your problem, it's not a to-do checklist thing. Oh, today I'm going to be eco-friendly. Let me mark this off. It is not something you wake up to one day and you decide you want to do this. It is a process. You need to understand that. And it's even better if you're not alone doing this, if you have company. For example, you're in the best hands. You have your children helping you, motivating you, doing it with you. So that is where a dad, preneur, a mom, preneur, or a parent, uh, anybody can come into picture because you're leading by examples. You're trying to show them how it's done, or they are trying to show you how it's done, and you do it together and you keep it sustainable. That's how it sustains like what you were saying, it's definitely not something that happens overnight. What are some of the little changes that you kind of made when you were on your journey of just becoming zero waste and, and everything else you were mentioning? So I was born in India and growing up in India, we were always very close to nature because I, I belong to a very small uh, town near the Himalayan mountains, like the Mount Everest peak, where it's like still nature at its best. It's untouched. There is barely any tourism over there. And it's basically not very accessible. So it's still very organic, very raw. And that's why I grew up. So I had this passion, this love uh, for being early, for just doing with what I have versus buying extra, exploiting things around me. So no, that's not how I was brought up. So that nostalgia of coming from my roots, where I'm from, and teaching that to my children combined was what motivated me to come up with detox. And uh, like you said, the challenges, yeah, it's not a, a green living is not an easy thing to do, but you don't have to go overboard. You don't have to be that crazy mom who's working with earthworms in a composting bin in your backyard. No, but you can take baby steps, right? Right. <laughs> right. You do what you can, right? I mean, yeah, if you're in the city, maybe a compost bin doesn't quite make much sense to your household, but there's local gardens you can donate to and things like that. I mean, there's things we can do. Yeah, right? it's these little actions that make the snowball effect. For example, you know, I went to a Catholic convent school when I was a child. I was in kindergarten through my 10th grade. I was in a Catholic convent school. So my mom used to say that these habits for them to sustain, you have to start them from a very young age because that's how they go into subconscious mind and you just start doing them and they just make your life easier. That's what they are for. They're not there for including a chore in your life or making them cumbersome. They're there to ease you so that you're set in a way and you can easily do things, a lot of things uh, at the same time. And that is how I chose to be a responsible parent, to pass this legacy on to my children. Sometimes it's not what, you, what you're doing in this world. Sometimes it could be who you're raising. And I choose to raise eco-conscious children. At the end of the day, it's their choice, what the difference they want to make with their choices. But at least I'm being responsible to teach them so, or doing with them or leading them by example. My mom always said, kids are like monkeys. Monkey see, monkey do. So I've got two monkeys and I love... And I love jumping around with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, already I'm stuck here thinking, you know, if 
two hours ago, Alexis had told me, okay, we're going to be sitting down and having a conversation with somebody who is working this hard at promoting the idea of zero waste and ecological responsibility. I would have had a laundry list of assumptions that I would have made about you. I would have pictured somebody who's kind of angry, confrontational, some sort of activist, somebody who just wants to put all the spotlight on herself. And I would have been very disinterested in having this conversation, but I'm hearing more of a philosopher than an activist in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And everything you're talking about as far as the the waste goes, I feel like this. these are all concepts that can be applied to any area of life, if I'm understanding you correctly. That is true. It's like how we try to compartmentalize our work, our personal life. How about we blend everything and so that we are content at the end of the day, so that we are happy in doing whatever it is. And that's how I do it. I realize it's very hard for me to be just a mompreneur, just an eco-friendly mom, or just a zero-waste mom, because like you said, it's those issues that come in with things. So it's just easier to blend everything and just keep doing what you can, not taking it overboard, not uh, being the person giving a damn, but being somewhere in the middle where you give a damn and something about it because right now the problem is people know but do they give a damn Mm. right so i i guess i have a kind of a fun question so my kids and i we like to picnic but you know sometimes there's a lot of waste that comes with picnicking so can you give me an example of like a zero waste picnic yes i mean on top of my mind i mean you could be calling me a marketer right now but detox plates and bowls because they're best for camping. You can literally leave them on the floor. They compost on their own in four to six weeks, and there's nothing that's left. You will not even know that there was a picnic that happened there. So even if you're a litter bug, you'd still leave no trace behind? No, that's the best point because it's a leaf. What does a leaf do? Like, Do you collect all the leaves that you find on the floor, or you just leave them? That's such an interesting uh, approach. And yeah, I don't mind sitting here and selling your product a little bit because yeah, you've already got me sold because I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> what you've done is you said, I don't care how lazy or sloppy you are. <laughs> I can make zero waste, not just possible, but also accessible and impossibly easy for anybody. And sometimes not, it's not about the term laziness. It's about First, some people might lack the knowledge. Some people might not know what there is. Sometimes it's something they don't know that they could do. So it's also about letting them know. So I'm not here trying to sell because it's already, this product is not just for me. It's about everybody, whoever has a kitchen, whoever does events, whoever would like to eat on a non-toxic, detoxifying plate, like platform, because they want to keep their health happy, they want to be kinder to their health and their environment. Thank you for listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share. Okay, just out of curiosity, is there like a, maybe a, a popular product that's on the market, which I'm not talking about environmental friendliness, just as far as uh, the visual and tactile nature of the products that, that you have. Is there something that you could easily compare that to just so people know sight unseen kind of what they could expect to find? 
So similar to mine or in general, eco-friendly products? So, products? So similar to yours, you know, like if it's, like I'm, I'm picturing, you know, like those standard issue, ugly, floppy paper plates with a little roll of flowers around the outside. By the way, the styrofoam plates were great in the bathtub for floating. So if you want anything floaty, use the styrofoam plates, but please do not use them in the microwave or to put your food on. So going to that uh, question, paper products, styrofoam products, or let's say plastic products, all of these can be used, but at the end of the day, the questions to ask are, uh, how much when you're done with them, what do you do? What is the right way to dispose of them? How much litter you're creating? What can you do to uh, lessen that litter? What's the? Sometimes it's not about zero waste. Sometimes it could be about low waste. What's that lowest impact that you can do with your choices? So that's where my products come into picture. Why? Because they are first 100% compostable. They go in the microwave safe. They are 100% microwave safe. So you can keep reheating your food any number of times. You can, hand cool. wash <laughs> you can hand wash them and use them at least 30 times. That's how we do it at home. We do like 30 day challenges, me and my daughter. So looking at those other similar products, people think they are more expensive, my products, which is not the case because when you talk the numbers, they are comparable. Like you're going to Costco and you're finding these nice uh, designer ones, like for Thanksgiving or they are equally comparable. And when you talk wholesale, they are cheaper, by the way. Yeah, well, you get to reuse them, like you said. You said what up to thirty times? You said or something? How that's, that's what I have hard. done, but but reviews that I've got is like fifty times at least. Oh wow, it's insane. I know. No, that that's impressive because I mean, I'm thinking like if you do something as simple as I host a dinner party, maybe something like casual, right? I've got a bunch of family and friends over. I'm not trying to impress them with fine china. Clean up after everybody is gone. That can be such a hassle. But instead of having to scrape the food waste into the food waste bin and then put all the dishes in the dishwasher, maybe put the chemicals in the in the water supply, I could literally just go ahead and recycle these. Yes. Or if you don't want to do anything, like when you're really, really lazy, <laughs> you <laughs> could take the whole pile, literally take the whole pile and... If you have a backyard, dump it there. Literally, the plate needs air, water, and sunlight, and it will go back to the nature. It's a leaf. Or if you don't have a backyard, let's say you live in a New York City apartment, you might have a house plant, perhaps. So just use the pot and dump it there. Break the whole thing and put it in there. And it's what? It's a fertilizer. Right. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like garbage anymore. <laughs> no. Not at all. And plus, I say, if like, if you really don't want to wash the dishes, if you want to get that quality time, if you're trying to just take it easy, like you said, yeah. family, and you want to spend time with them, instead of putting the dishwasher, put it in the garbage pile or trash pile. It's the same thing because they will be breaking down on their own. It really doesn't matter. So you can you can win your kids here. You're like, they grew in both. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? What I like about this product, I mean, it's. Not not just literally speaking, sounds like a wonderful approach to using these types of products. But I think there's a lot of strong metaphor here as well. Because if I think about like the, the, the things that occur in my mind, in my emotions, things that have traditionally been a bit of a hassle, if I'm going to find a different way to use these, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna uh, dispose of them properly, you know, it's 
my pain can feed somebody else's healing, you know, in the same way that putting these compostable plates and, and whatnot in the garden can feed a plant. You know, it's, I don't know. I just, everything about your, your approach to this business product, it, it seems to give me so many hints about a beautiful inner philosophy with you. Thank you. I am, I'm flattered. And that's the value I want to show to people that it's not a chore. It's not something you really have to make up your mind to. It's just one simple thing that you can start from your own house and go up to, I want to be everywhere into big events, into weddings, into kitchens, caterings, like anywhere, campings, picnics, anywhere, because wherever there's food, there's a need for these products, especially when you, like you said, that you want to, your action can heal somebody and that somebody is the environment because then all of us, that's what we're trying to heal here. So when you started this, this, uh, when you launched this product, did you have any idea that it was going to go so well? Like what were your, I'm just curious about that, like your own personal journey and the emotional roller coaster of presenting something like that. What was that like for you? Like as an entrepreneur, so, I guess. <laughs> I always imagine myself in a, in a corporate job, dressing up, going to work in heels, blah, 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 because I'm a people person and I love connecting with people. And I never thought I'm going to be stuck on Zoom calls, virtually meeting everybody now uh, with my business <laughs> and doing everything. But I think, like I told you, because of my green roots back in India, where I'm from, combined with the nostalgia of, we used to visit the southern part of India a lot for our vacations. Why? First, because it was warmer. And second, I love beaches. I love palm trees. So I, I, I noticed over there when we visited, we used to eat on leaves and they used to be like banana leaves. Like even today, when you're actually down there for your leisure, they'll actually serve you banana leaves. And that's where the whole nostalgia came from. And I was like, I want to bring this concept to the Western world, but how do I do it? I can't do it with banana leaves because they're more for cooking with, because they bring flavors, they're fragile, they're softer. So that's when I did a research and I was like, I want to do this with palm leaves. And that's where I was like, I want my kids to experience this, what I could do when I was a child. Why can they not experience this every day in their own home? And that's where I was like, let's let's create this. Let's look for resources, how we can create this, how we can manufacture these, or where can we, and how do we go up to the supply chain telling everybody, the whole world, because I need I need millions of people doing this with me perfectly rather than just a handful if we have to bring a bigger effect in this. Okay, so I, I, I've never been to India. I've mm -hmm. watched a lot of documentaries. I've talked to many people from various parts of India over, over the years. And I hope you'll correct me if I'm understanding things a little bit wrong here. But my understanding is when you get into northern India, uh, Nepal, maybe, you know, sort of close to like the Tibetan border, whatnot. There's a lot of spirituality that influences the way that the people will interact with the environment. But when you get into the more densely populated areas of India, the big cities, mm -hmm. I think the interaction with the environment, as has been presented in the media, at least, is very much one of necessity through poverty, where people will. Um, sift through garbage, recycle, whatever, looking for value. But the one unifying factor in these, in this whole spectrum of culture seems to be that whether you're spiritually motivated or mo motivated by needing to put food on your table, you are reusing everything. Does this cultural pull in influence you very, very strongly? And if so, is it more the spiritual or the practical? Uh, 
It's a combination of both, and your your what you notice is is absolutely uh, the best how you could put it into words. When you're in the northern part, it is definitely people are closer to nature. Why? There's a reason for it because. They have 80% of the nature still intact there. Why? Because it's untouched. It's raw. It's, a, it's something that's not accessible to everybody. Like I told you, it's not touristy at all. So that's why people even respect it much more because it's intact and they are still surrounded by the nature's comforts and beauties versus the way southern you go. It's what? Skyscrapers? Animals yeah. on the on the roads? Why? Because there is hardly any nature anymore there. And so what you said, it's it's absolutely makes sense that how people are more closer to the nature in the northern part where it's like still the spirituality that you can say, because I see spirituality as something that you connect for yourself, for the content within you. I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. And that's what spirituality for, for me means. I mean, I don't care for a tree that says Shiva. That's okay. But at least it's the tree I know that, and that'll bring me happiness. And that's how I connect my spirit. Yeah. I love that. I really like that about you. I'm going to make note of that just before we, you know, we usually wait till the end before we tell people what we like about our guests. But that is one thing I like about you is that uh, you're not obligated to put yourself into any box at all. And uh, that's something I admire a lot. I mean, isn't, isn't that what you guys are doing here? You guys have opinions. You guys are different, but you guys still, at the end of the day, what are you doing? The same thing as what I just did, right? So, yeah, like you said, we have our differences, but we know how to appreciate one another, support each other. And right. that's br- that brings us closer. I also yes. very, very much appreciate the fact that when you identified as a spiritual person, you immediately defined what spirituality means to you spiritual or spirituality these are terms that normally i hate them because they tend to be so meaningless but when most people will use these words they'll use mm-hmm. them as though they have some inherent value that um if i tell you i'm spiritual i feel like i'm communicating something to you but i've effectively told you nothing but you didn't do that and thank you it tells me that you 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 value not just the words that are coming out of your mouth, but how those words are received on my end. That that says a lot about the type of person I'm talking to, which has got me very curious to know more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I just don't want to make simple things difficult. I mean, there is enough to make things difficult in your life, right? Especially now and during pandemic. So why do we want to complicate things? Keep them simple and keep them. I mean, I, I always like just doing things with myself because I can control myself. I have expectations only for myself. So I like defining things around myself. That's what my world is. Going back to the, going back to your product, I, we were talking, you were talking about, yeah, if you have a party, you can just do this. You don't have to worry about the dishes and you can spend that quality time. Um, I really liked that you touched on the quality time thing because I used to love entertaining and having people over and things like that. And I started to get older and I'm like, gosh, I'm starting to slow down with all the cleanup and I'm not, I don't have as much energy as I used to, to host. And, you know, having paper plates was like, oh, I really don't like doing that. You know, that's kind of a guilt free way of not only just not worrying about it, but giving back to, to the earth in that and, like you said, having that quality time, because that's really what's important. That's, 
you know, quality time with our family and our friends and things like that. I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that. When you spend quality time with your family, like, what is that like for you? Oh, that is a great question because I always love to touch that, that for me, I just feel I have quality time from the morning to the evening. Why? Because I'm working as well as dealing with the family. I, I love blending my work and my life uh, together. So forget about work-life balance. There's nothing, something yeah. sort of like that. No, 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 no. There's the new thing. That's the new trend. That's work-life blend. And that's how I blend my kids, my family into using them, making pictures, taking pictures, taking, making videos, uh, creating real life experiences with them. And that's how I love to uh, blend the whole thing. And that's how we like to do it. I, I like that you had mentioned uh, blending versus balancing. Mm-hmm. The, the the first thing that popped into my head when you said balancing was we so often hear people use the term delicate balance, which tells us that this is sort of a shaky approach to things, but I've never heard of anybody saying a delicate blend. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds nice, right? Like uh, balance, would it, would it not be like great when you have like time for hot yoga? You're that perfect mom that Instagram tells you to be, and you have enough time to try that recipe out. But it's something that's not sustainable. It's not going to, otherwise you won't have that, that spirituality with yourself. You won't have that content in your work or your life. You'll be like compartmentalizing things, trying to fit things. Yeah, in your life. Yeah. So I, I really believe in the approach of blending it together. Do you, do you find that taking this blended approach shifts your perspective a little bit sometimes too, to find joy and meaning in the mundane? No, I will say I never get mundane because Sometimes when I run out of ideas or when I am getting mundane or I'm getting robotic or monotonous, I have people around me. I have my daughters who are brand ambassadors. They're equally passionate. Sometimes they come out with out-of-the-box ideas to do things. So that gives me motivation and just stops me from being mundane or monotonous or whatever you call it, robotic. Sometimes they say, mommy, you've gotten robotic. So I'm like, okay, hit me up. Give me some ideas or let's change this a little bit. Let's travel and let's do this together. We don't have to be here on this chair doing this. We can go anywhere and do start doing this, even if it's a park or if it's a campground. Mm-hmm. You are full no, I like of surprises. Sorry. I, I liked how you made that comparison. Like you don't like to compartmentalize. Uh, you know, I know some people, they like to go to work and then when they come home, like that's it. Then they're totally focused on their family. But my brain works a little bit differently. I can't just stop thinking about my job. I can't just, I'm a creative yeah. person. I'm always, there's always thoughts that go in and out. And so it's like, how do I blend this? And, you know, how do I balance this without my family thinking I'm always at work up here or my work always thinking I'm with my family? You know, that's interesting how, you know, you talked about that. You are listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow and share. Yeah, I, I myself felt it like when I'm actually working, it's always family in my head, like, oh, this doctor's appointment, Dennis, I have to take the girls here, I have to do this play date. But or or when I am with the family, it's like, oh, I got an email, I got to check my phone. It's this important email. So it's always a mix of the, you cannot separate them. It's like they're always together. And I understand that some people, yes, they have to be more efficient. So for them, it makes sense to to keep it separate. But when I don't have to, when I don't need that in my lifestyle, I can be more fluid. I can, I can adapt to it and I can tweak things here and there to make it work for myself. No, I, I like that too, because I mean, 
this is sort of weird because you're talking about how you blend things. And I'm thinking now in terms of a balancing metaphor, <laughs> you, you see, you seem to do a good job of balancing this idea of blending all these things together as it, you know, like this is sort of an inside your own head, inside your own heart experience. But you'd said something a little bit earlier about how things don't get mundane or monotonous, robotic, boring, because you've got all these influences around you, which tells me that you're not putting all of the pressure on yourself to hold yourself or your environment together. You understand this is a team effort. And that honestly comes as a shock to me because I, I've got a, a quite a few mental health challenges. So I've gone through a lot of years of therapy and counseling. And the one consistent theme between all the counselors and the therapists has always been, you need to figure out how to navigate your environment. You need to figure out how to respond to your environment. You know, maybe once in a while you need to figure out how to ask for help, but everything keeps coming back to a me experience. But what I'm hearing you describe is an us experience, a we experience. And that to me sounds so much more sustainable and comfortable and ultimately rewarding. And and that's what I tell people. We are the detox family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be happy to detox in this family anytime. <laughs> yeah, oh, I appreciate it. Well, I think what keeps you going is the responsible living motto that I have. It's like towards Mother Nature, towards our kids, and towards the community. These three things, that is the whole buildup, and that helps all of us keep going. It's just not this one part. It's all of these three things that we try to achieve, all of us together. Have you always been this way? Um, no. I think after I became a mother, this I don't know what happens after you become parents. You become more... <laughs> yeah, you just, I used to be, I'll say, sane before, and now I'm much more insane. And I think that's what happens when you become a parent. Yeah. But I think that balances out with the whole family thing and making you more responsible. So insanity gets balanced with responsibility and just becoming who I am today. I was not like this at all. No. Yeah. No, I could say that I could say that about my kids. It's like I used to be like, oh gosh, my kids drive me insane. But, but, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is they know they totally keep me sane. They, they remind me every day of the normal things of, of the mundane to kind of help me align when I'm getting too busy or, you know, things like that. Or if I'm too mundane, there is always something that's happening to kind of mix things up. Things that happen naturally. They don't even have to say, Hey mom, let's go change our environment. They'll just be like, Oh gosh, I had this experience at school and then, Oh, well, let's just go outside and so, you know, things happen. And so I, I like that about you. Um, in terms of family and things like that, uh, those observations, it just has such a deep meaning, um, to them. I don't know. AC, what do you think about that? Like, honestly, I, I, I think when you said something about how, when you become parents, you kind of go crazy to a degree. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't have my first child young. I was 29 years old when, when my first was born. So I had already established myself as an entity. I had a very clear idea about how I chose to exist. And all of that was challenged drastically. And I did feel very much like I was going crazy. I mean, you know how it is as a new parent. You've got sleep deprivation. You've got this sudden responsibility. 
it seems like all of your family and friends are now suddenly watching you because they want to see how you're navigating the experience. You're in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. And that could be overwhelming. But what I think, you know, in retrospect, struggling with that idea of going crazy, it causes, it causes people to ask questions about themselves. You know, every decision you make, okay, am I making this decision because I'm crazy or am I making this decision because it's a good decision? This is an inner dialogue that people who aren't crazy, I don't think they get to enjoy. Do you, do you feel <laughs> like this, this crazy inner dialogue has sort of helped to wake up your, your passions and your philosophies? Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. We need this at one point of time. I think we all should have it because that motivates us to become who we are today. I think if you don't have it, I don't think you become somebody. So yeah, you heard it here first. There's a value in going crazy. Go as crazy as you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So when when you uh, first started on, you know, this, I, I guess it wasn't, uh, it didn't start off as an entrepreneurial idea. This all started off as a shift in the way you approach the world around you. Did you suffer or from any pushback from people who knew you very well? Uh, yes. And I'll say I started it with the word called nostalgia. So it was nostalgia, my childhood nostalgia, plus my, uh, my motivation to bring this concept to the Western world. So I was like, I, I need to make this happen for my children. I want them to experience this every day. So that is how it started. And to begin with the challenges you're saying, it was, it was very, um, first being a mompreneur, like wearing different hats in the family, and then also being a mom, that's like raising the bar. It's like, hello, I'm a human being. How much more can I do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yes, that was the first fear. If I'm going to, it's like fear of getting success, fear of getting failure, both, both of them combined. And then apart from that, that being in the crowd, like I'll say in the last two years, so we've been in the market for two years, but it was another year of the whole market studying, the business model, coming up with the team and designing the whole thing. Uh, there are other companies like me in the crowd. So standing out from them, that fear, that challenge, how do I make it happen? How do I say I'm different from A, B, C, D, who's exactly like me, products like mine? So that was something that was challenging. And I was like, I was fearing that because it's a, I have not heard a mompreneur, like who's a mom who's also manufacturing these, who's also exporting, importing these, who's also selling them. So everything on my own, but I had to do it for the kids because I'm not just leaving a legacy for them. I'm leaving a legacy in them to have yeah. that impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes yeah. it's like, what, what is your biggest contribution to the world? Sometimes it, it could not be what, but who you've raised. And that's what yeah. I feel proud. Or who you talk to. Yeah, for sure. No, it's one of those things that I, I really came face to face with when my, my father passed away and we had an open microphone at his memorial service and all of these different people who I didn't know he had influenced one after the other. They kept coming up and telling these stories about how this one simple man had influenced them so greatly. And I realized that, hey, this wasn't something special about my dad. This is something that we all do, whether or not we realize it, whether or not we try, we are all leaving, um, I guess, in our own way, a lasting legacy. I mean, that should be as positive as possible. And for, for me, I, I'm one of those people, I grew up very, very religious, right? Not spiritual, religious. 
mainstream Christianity. And there was always this idea of uh, we want to pursue immortality through an afterlife. Later on, I I started embracing more of a Buddhist philosophy, but again, it was immortality through through reincarnation. But the the older I get and the more I watch my kids, the more I realize that my immortality has nothing to do with spirituality or faith. My immortality is mostly through the influence genetically, philosophically, educationally that I leave on my kids, just like what was done to me and every member of my family that's come before me. I mean, my great, great, great grandparents are still alive, you know, in my fingertips. This is the realm of influence we all leave. And I like when I come across somebody like you who has consciously decided to leave a positive impact instead of just saying, yeah, I guess I influence people. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) I, I will, I will take the credit. I owe it. Why? Because I'm putting in so much effort, not just to, uh, I'm, I'm here trying to make a noise because I'm just not a commodity. I'm trying to provide value. I'm trying to make an impact in others lives, which is we provide employment in the manufacturing unit. We, uh, majority of our workers are women workforce, and we try to pay for their children's education. So when my child says, mom, can you keep this jacket for the child when we are going to visit India and give that to that child? That's who I have raised. And that's what you said, the legacy that I'm creating for them. So you've talked a lot about being a mom. Mm-hmm. What were your parents like? Oh, I'll, I'll say both of them are professors. And they both are very intellectual and they believe in education as the foremost thing a child can get. The best gift to open up different minds, different perspectives to different cultures, different perspectives to different countries, different lifestyles. It's what you can create for yourself. It's all possible by education. And that's what they did to me. They sent me to the best school at that time, which was like 35 years ago, which they could, could barely, barely afford. But they made it happen for me. And... I am so grateful for that because today uh, we're doing the same thing. We focus on education more because that opens up your minds, gives you different ideas. So tomorrow I'm hoping I'll have much more entrepreneurial mindset children who are seeing me right now doing what I'm doing. And maybe we'll do much more bigger, better, more innovative products in the future. You never know. Super exciting. I'm really enjoying this, AC. I don't know. I'm really, this is really fun. I'm finding myself actually getting a little emotional hearing you talk yeah. about your your parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other shows that Alexis and I host is all about family estrangement. We get to hear a lot of stories about how terrible mom and dad were. Oh. Uh, Alexis and I have both had fairly negative family experiences ourselves, having grown up in abusive environments and a lot of fractured relationships. And it really is inspiring to hear that there are wonderful parents out there. I think that your mom and dad, I don't want to take all of the credit away from you. Oh. I think you've done a lot for yourself, but your parents, obviously they, they did a lot for you. The, the sacrifices that they made, the value that they instilled or the values that they instilled in you. I think they deserve a lot of credit and I hope that other parents will hear you talk about them and it will inspire them to do much the same for their own kids, even if they didn't have parents that were as wonderful as yours. 
Thank you so much. When I call them uh, to India this night, I'll let them know all the love that you're sprinkling on them. And uh, <laughs> I mean, seeing these examples, it's like motivation. It's like an inspiration. And I feel love is the best thing. Your kids are your biggest gifts in this world. So why not pamper them and love them? And that's what uh, we're doing right now. We love to travel. So we all are working from home. Kids are doing online school. We love to spend this time together because I was just telling my husband, it's five more years kids will be out like what is this life for this life yeah. is for them this life is I mean yes of course me and my husband will be there for the next 50 years but we have a lot of time to focus on ourselves later it's these beautiful children that have been blessed in our lives to make us stronger so why not pamper them with everything that we have right now because that's how our parents did it for us so we really appreciate all they've done for us and uh, it's also what they will do for us when when they will see us doing it for them I love the way Pallavi seems to blend her work life and home life together. She seems to genuinely enjoy her work, and it's something that she not only believes in, but she wants to share with everyone she meets. Podcasting sort of does that for me, and I think that's something that both Pallavi and I have in common. We both have joy in our passions, and we want to share them with others. Keep listening for more about Pallavi. It's such a foreign concept to me to hear somebody talk about their children as gifts rather than as liabilities. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I don't when, even know how to absorb that because I've never experienced being a gift to my parents. And as a result, I think I've learned maybe not to appreciate my children as much as they deserve. I do try, but it's always a conscious effort. It's not a natural occurrence. It's like I, I said, nobody's a bad parent. It's just you have to allow yourself to create that space, which you deserve, which you got. And we did. And our kids deserve it equally because we also got it. So I can totally understand where, you, where you're coming from because you were uh, not allowed that space. It's hard for you to foresee and create that space. Of course, it takes hard work. It takes all that consciousness. And it takes that willpower being a being a parent, if, if, even if you're a single parent or a married couple or a working parent, non-working parent, it is hard. So, um, but it's definitely, you have to allow yourself to create that space, even if you were not given that space. That's when you become a really valuable gem parent. When you do yeah, something- that I, I like what yourself. you said about giving, creating space. Sometimes that's all you know how to do. Like when I started that podcast for estranged people, I- I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what format. I didn't know anything. I just, I just wanted to facilitate something and it grew and it evolves. And so I, I think that's so true. When you give yourself space, you don't really know how to do something, but if you just allow a little bit of space. And sometimes things, things align. Like when you start creating space, then you do better and then you get motivated to even do better. So it's like, yeah, it's just something you're not, God just doesn't put you on this earth to not be a good parent or be a good parent. You just have to figure out things, what works for you or how things work. You take it at your pace and yeah, you just build it up from there. And it's, it's at the end of the day, it's because those children, it might be space for you, what you're trying to create, but it might be the whole world for them, what you're doing. It's maybe that's what they need yeah. to survive to in that mode and love you even more. No, and I, I don't know. It's just everything seems to overlap so beautifully with the the idea of your product line this this whole idea of 
you know, we think of our physical environment, but there's also our emotional environment. There, there is an emotional ecosystem of sorts. And just because the ecosystem has been upset because of abuse or neglect or anything like that, it doesn't mean that somebody else can't come in and introduce these healthy elements to restore the balance to the ecosystem. And, you know, when we brush up against different people and not just directly interacting with you, you've brought so much value into our lives just through this conversation. But then I think of your mom and dad who are off in India, they don't even know this conversation is happening. And at the same time, they have had a profound effect on me that will last moving forward. It's this, this interconnectivity that I think is beautiful. I, I wish that everybody could experience what we experience here on this show because <laughs> we, we get so used to putting up these barriers or we look at each other and think, okay, well, you're different. You know, you've got a different accent than me. Um, I guess skin color is a bad example in this case, cause we're both dark, right? <laughs> but, I mean, there's times where people think, okay, well, your face doesn't look like mine, something like that. And that tells me that I should keep my guard up with you. I shouldn't trust what's different, but I'm finding more and more that it's the familiar that we should be maybe giving less trust to. We should be giving a little bit more time and a little bit more space to the unfamiliar because that's where all of the growth happens. That's where the surprises live. That. Yeah. yeah. We share and we learn much more from each other. So sometimes it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. And that's what we're doing here. So I hate that we're getting to this point in the conversation, Pallavi. I, I hate it so much. I want to talk to you all day. But I can only... be your I can be your guru, your therapist, whoever you want me to be. Well, you I don't know if you heard our conversation with with Pratik Mehra, but I think you might be I in did. direct comp competition with him. <laughs> but, Actually, um, I did. I did hear his uh, episode as well, and he was talking a lot about expectations and uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely between the two of you, I think we're in good hands. Um, I, I hate coming to the end of the conversation, especially when it's going so beautifully. I, I hope we can keep in touch. But before we let you go, if somebody wants to get in touch with, with you or your work, what is the best way to go about that? So I've been I've been uh, tagged the word the TikTok queen, Instagram addict this year. So you can definitely find us there on TikTok on instagram by our handle which is detox plates one word because i started two years ago with literally four plates and today i have 50 different kinds of plates and bowls. oh wow, but wow. I forgot, yeah but i forgot to change the handle name so it's still detox plates <laughs> so <laughs> you can definitely find us there under this name and you can also find us on the website which is detox.com uh, we have a Facebook group that is just for our followers who like to keep in touch with our new product releases, what we've been doing, or how do we do it? Because sometimes you need visuals. Oh, it's the biggest day of my life. It's my wedding. Why should I get not the China wear, the expensive looking to make my event look grand? Okay, hello. I can I can show it to you how, how to do it in a way. So that's how I put the influence over there or how I show it in visuals. So that's the Facebook group that I have, the Facebook page. Pinterest, Alignable, uh, LinkedIn. So basically 2020 was a time when I actually tried to be there on social media 100% because I was not making any sales for the first time in my life. Like I thought this was the end of my baby because mm. we saw these many sales during the beginning of pandemic, but that just didn't let me stop because 
I had my two ambassadors giving me ideas and coming up with new things to do. So they were like, mommy, let's take this picture. Let's create this content. Let's make a video, put it on TikTok. So that's how we spent our 2020 being on social media, 100%. So if, if people Google our name, they'll be able to find it. Detox it is D-T-O-C-S. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, and this is the point in the conversation where we like to do a little bit of a round tying back into the show, talking about what we like about each other. I know Alexis has been unable to contain her enthusiasm <laughs> all throughout this episode. <laughs> and normally I feel bad because I feel like I'm putting her on the hot seat and expecting her to come up with something on the fly. But this time, <laughs> I think for the first time, I'm not throwing her in front of the train. I'm finally taking her leash off and letting her just go. So Alexis, what is it that you like about Pallavi? Oh gosh, there's so many things. It's like her drive uh, for not just, uh, she's a problem solver. She thinks out of the box. She's a go-getter. She, she finds something to do and she goes out and she does it and she works at it. If, uh, if there's a little bit of a roadblock, she figures out how to take a detour or she takes time to regroup. She's resilient. She's powerful. She's assertive. She's also very sweet and very kind and very generous. And that's something that I've also seen from her too. And the way that she blends her daily passion projects with her family life, I think is something very beautiful. And that's something I admire a lot. Thank you. I'll have to buy a dictionary for all those famous words that you just said. (laughs) No, the, the... I agree with everything you said, but what struck me is, and I know this is going to be a little bit of an insider reference, but Alexis, do you remember last summer when we went to Queen Elizabeth Park in Vancouver and there was that smell that was coming up off of the flowers when the sun was hitting them? And it just, it seemed like this beautiful floral scent was everywhere and you couldn't tell where it was coming from. You just knew you were completely immersed in it. This is how I feel conversing with you Pallavi it just there's so much beauty that is in and around you that comes from you through you mm-hmm. you're you're Aww. you're fresh you're powerful you're beautiful oh those are the kindest words and I really have to say something about you guys which is thank you for having this inclusive conversation with me and I really loved how you, Mr. Fisher, you were like so open with your vulnerabilities and you were honest about it. And you just, uh, I mean, we just met for the first time and he spoke about not just only his childhood, but all the experiences he's had. So I am so thankful that uh, he shared this with me. So thank you so much. And uh, Alexis, with you, I just feel like I'm talking to this another fellow mama who's understanding yeah. <laughs> all the stuff that I'm saying. So you both have been wonderfully playing along and, and and just making me feel like I I've been I, I've known you guys forever. Aww. <laughs> it's been really great having you. Thank you for coming on the show. Likewise, I appreciate both of your time and this platform you know, to uh, support me and my small business. So I thank you both. Thank you, Pallavi. Well, this has been another edition of What I Like About You with the incomparable Pallavi Pandey, and we will include links to all of her work on our webpage and in this week's show notes. Thank you for listening.